Good morning, and we are joined at this time for the first time by Joe Robb. He is the Refuge Manager at Big Oaks National Wildlife Refuge. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning to you. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you on the uh, program this morning. And, uh, of course, uh, Big Oaks uh, uh, Refuge, that's an area that uh, covers a familiar area around these parts. And uh, can you uh, explain a little bit about the uh, the refuge and exactly uh, what you folks do? Sure. Well, we're a National Wildlife Refuge. We're part of the National Wildlife Refuge System that's operated by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. We have over 500 National Wildlife Refuges across the country. Um, We're part of the Department of Interior. Our sister agencies is the National Park Service and uh, Bureau of Land Management. You might have heard of those uh, agencies. But Mm -hmm. the National Wildlife Refuge System, our goal is to manage wildlife habitats and wildlife for the future generations of Americans. So it's a, it's a great uh, system. It's a great program. And uh, the refuge here, Big Oaks National Wildlife Refuge, is part of a complex. Uh, we're complexed. We have our sister refuge over in Seymour, Muscatatuck National Wildlife Refuge. And I'm the project leader of the complex. Um, so both refuges work together to uh, meet goals and projects and such. Um, Big Oaks National Wildlife Refuge is over 50,000 acres. It was established over the closed Jefferson Proving Ground. And if you're going down 421 towards Madison, you'll see this big area that's fenced, and that's the former Jefferson Proving Ground, which closed in 1995 under the Base Realignment Closure Act. The Army still owns the land. Uh, they sold about 4,000 acres on the south end, which was the old containment area where the old buildings are, which is a county park, privately owned. Um, there's a Madison Railroad and a state highway uh, building and a recycling center that's also down there. Um, that's where our office is located. But an overlay refuge is uh, something that uh, we have in other refuges. It just uh, makes sense for this place because it was a former proving ground and they tested uh, munitions and ordnance here. There's still great wildlife habitat, but because of that, we have to go, uh, every visitor has to go through safety briefings and we check them in and check out, so it's a little bit more tightly controlled. Okay. We surround a thousand acre Jefferson Range, which is an Indiana Air National Guard range, which operates uh, air-to-ground training for pilots in the Air National Guard. And so that's not part of the refuge, but we work with the Air Force and Air National Guard and the Army through the operations here on the old proving ground. Um, Big Oaks is pretty popular. We've been been here since uh, 2000, and uh, we have great, great types of events that we can talk about in a little bit. Indeed. And, of course, uh, you mentioned the 50,000 acres. And, uh, I mean, that's uh, covering, what, uh, Ripley, uh, Jefferson, and Jennings counties there here in yes, southeast. Yes, sir. We have uh, portions in each one of those counties. Um, it's uh, about 15 miles long and 6 miles wide. So that kind of gives you the sense of how big it is. Okay. And, of course, I understand that they have a, a conservation society. It's a nonprofit support group of the refuge. Yes, we have a, what we call Friends Group. Big Oaks Conservation Society is a 501c3 nonprofit, and they can help raise money and help us do events, and uh, they help manage Old Timbers Lodge, which is a historic structure in Ripley County. 
they do lots of things for us. They, uh, we have an outdoor women event on June 10th this year that uh, folks will hear more about as we get ready to have uh, uh, folks online registration for that event. And that's something that's real popular with women. They come out and do uh, uh, educational events, training events, um, canoeing, uh, archery, Dutch oven cooking, um, lots of different types of training events to give them opportunities to learn outdoor skills. Yeah, and of course, uh, you're talking about the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and uh, the fact that um, you know there's you know, fishing and wildlife and things of that nature, getting back to nature. And um, um, I imagine that uh, you probably draw folks uh, from uh, pretty much uh, not only this region but uh, around the country. Do you not, Joe? We do. I mean, folks from uh, even other countries. We have some species of birds that people travel just to see here. So we have folks coming from all over. Um, since we're a fairly new refuge, we don't have a, a nice visitor center or anything yet. That's one of our goals is to have a visitor center right on 421 that it makes access a little bit easier, that uh, folks can come in and uh, enjoy the resources a little bit easier. And you mentioned so, being a, f- a fairly new uh, new group, and then uh, how long have uh, has the um, refuge been around uh, per, uh, once again? Well, it, it's new for refuges. We were established in 2000. Okay. So I, I guess it takes time uh, for these um, a lot of these visitor centers to get built and uh, get online and stuff like that? Yes, it's all dependent on uh, federal funding. Uh, National Wildlife Refuges have to compete with lots of other agencies for funding, and believe it or not, uh, refuges are not funded as well as I think they should be, but um, we, we do the best we can with what money we get. And in your role as a manager, do you get a lot of um, uh, feedback or a lot of uh, interaction with the folks who come to visit the refuge? Well, absolutely. Since every person here that visits has to come through a safety briefing and we check them in and check them out, so we get to know our visitors very well. We get about 20,000 visits a year. And uh, did you have to go through, uh, I, I imagine you probably had to go through a lot of special training to uh, go through this uh, safety briefing and uh, you know, make people aware of the possible dangers on that uh, former proving ground? Yes, we have like a half-hour video and an acknowledgement of danger form that folks have to uh, sign and uh, just watch the video. And then they, if they have questions, we can talk to them what, what they can do and what they can't do. And if they don't check out, we have to go look for them. So there's always that. So we have to do a search and rescue every now and then. Oh, okay. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. So okay. And as far as um, who does the search and rescue, uh, who usually handles that? Well, it's usually refuge staff, and then we have a, a refuge officer who's uh, takes care of the refuges here. That if he's available and. Uh, Occasionally, we'll use uh, state conservation officers as well. Uh, a lot of times, it's just us. We can go out and uh, if we can know where they're in because we check them in, check them out, so we kind of know what particular area they're in, and then we can start going through our procedures. And, uh, Joe, could you uh, give us a little bit about your background and how you got uh, involved in this line of work? Well, I've always been interested in outside activities and biology, um, even as a young kid. I went to uh, Purdue University and got a degree in forestry and wildlife, and then I got a master's and a Ph.D. at the Ohio State University in Ohio, and I went through a co-op program when I was 
pursuing my graduate work and started working with the Fish and Wildlife Service. And they had me stationed down in uh, Tennessee and in Ohio, and I did details in Louisiana and Georgia and among other places. But um, I ended up coming back here after my graduate work and uh, just kind of fell in love with the location and with the work that we're doing here and kept working. I taught a little bit at Hanover College even, uh, the conservation biology, and that helped students in the same thing that I do, get training, and we've had hundreds of uh, interns over the years that have come here and trained here and have gone on to do great things. So that's one of the satisfying things that we do is that we train future conservationists. All right. And then, of course, uh, coming up tonight at uh, 6.30, the uh, Big Oaks Conservation Society, they're going to uh, hold a meeting at Ivy Tech uh, Community College in Madison. And uh, we've got uh, Cassie Carson, wildlife biologist for Big Oaks and uh, Muscatatuck National Wildlife Refuges. She'll do a presentation on bat conservation. Cassie's a, a great uh, presenter on conservation and biology, and I think the audience will have a, a great time at that presentation. And we are now joined by the aforementioned Cassie Carson. Uh, welcome uh, to the show, Cassie. And, uh, of course, you got a, a presentation that's going on uh, tonight at 6.30 at Ivy Tech Community College in Madison. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, presentation on bat conservation? Yeah, so I think bats are one of those creatures that kind of has a, a bunch of misconceptions around them. And even though I find them adorable, I know some people don't, and so... During my presentation, I'm going to go over some common misconceptions, go over all the good things that they do for us in the environment, and talk a little bit about some of the specific bats that are really struggling right now with population numbers and you know, what we can do to kind of help them. As far as the uh, Midwest is concerned, uh, are we uh, facing a uh, uh, you know, population declines as far as bats are concerned? Yes, we've unfortunately seen a lot of issues um, over the past nearly decade at this point, um, ever since white-nose syndrome, which is a pretty contagious, very deadly disease that unfortunately made an appearance here in the U.S. Um, they just, it, it's hit populations really hard, and so there's been a lot of efforts with state, federal, universities, all sorts of organizations trying to research them and do population studies so that we can keep an eye on them. And Unfortunately, we've had several recently that have either ended up on the endangered species list or have been upgraded from threatened to endangered. So there's definitely time to do something now before it's too late. Now, as far as uh, Big Oaks is concerned, are you uh, uh, doing a survey for uh, these uh, bat species? And if so, uh, which ones are you, uh, do you have your eye on? Yeah, so we, along with a, a bunch of other refuges uh, across the country, do acoustic bat monitoring. So I have several surveys that I do during the summertime when they're most active, where I drive around at night with a giant microphone on top of my truck and we collect bat call data and we have partners that are able to analyze that data and determine which bats we're actually hearing out there and so over time we're able to kind of keep track of some of the species and we do have some of the, the endangered species like the, the northern long-eared bat and the Indiana bat that make appearances here at the refuge. 
Okay, and of course, these are federally endangered species, is that correct? Yes, they are. Okay. And what about uh, candidate species, and uh, what's the difference between uh, federally endangered and candidate species? Yeah, so basically it's whether they've made it onto the list yet or not. So we have a couple of species. Um, The Indiana bat is a good example. They've been on the endangered list for a while now, so the research has been done. Population has seen major hits due to disease and they were able to fit the criteria and make it onto the list. The northern long-eared bat for a long time was just on the threatened side of the list and unfortunately got bumped up to the endangered, or at least in the process of. And then it looks like we've got several bat species across even the entirety of the U.S. that have unfortunately become candidate species in recent times. Now, if uh, bats were not in the world, uh, what are we uh, talking about as far as uh, our existence? Well, bats do a very good job of keeping a lot of pest species under control. So all of those nasty insects that people are not fans of that ruin summer picnics and bonfires, those would become even more abundant, and you would also see even as far as Um, price of groceries. Uh, There's a lot of research that's gone in the past few years, and it's estimated that bats contribute billions of dollars globally to um, crop pest reduction because they will fly over these fields and they'll eat a bunch of crop pests that otherwise would have to be treated with insecticides and other means. And uh, so, uh, so that's part of your uh, presentation tonight at Ivy Tech Community College in Madison, starting at six thirty. And all right, well, uh, Cassie Carson, uh, wildlife biologist for Big Oaks and uh, Muscatatuck National Wildlife Refuges, uh, we appreciate uh, your time this morning for joining us, and uh, you know, continued success. So again, uh, that program tonight that uh, Cassie will uh, be uh, giving at uh, Ivy Tech Community College in Madison. It starts at six thirty. So. Uh, Uh, If you're uh, so inclined, uh, be sure to uh, join her for that. Cassie, thank you for joining us this morning. Yes, thank you for having me. And uh, we are joined uh, once again by Joe Robb. uh, And uh, Joe, uh, uh, anything else that uh, you want to uh, lay out before the uh, the folks here this morning? Well, I just thought most folks want to know how they can come visit. We typically open in mid-April. We're closed during the winter months best place to get more information about Big Oaks National Wildlife Refuge is go to our website, and that's www.fws.gov slash refuge slash Big Oaks, and you can probably find it from there. I think we have a great place, great place for wildlife conservation, and I encourage uh, folks during our public use season to come visit. All right. So again, that is uh, fws.gov. And uh, once again, the uh, the rest of that, please, Joe? fws.gov slash refuge slash Big Oaks. Typically, you can just search for it on an online search engine for Big Oaks and find our website. All right. Sounds great. Well, Joe, Rob, we appreciate your time this morning. Stay well. And uh, also a thanks to uh, Cassie Carson for joining us as well. And uh, hopefully uh, we can talk to you folks once again down the road. Of course. Anytime. Don't adjust your radio. The sound that you hear is your stomach. You're having trouble focusing. You can't recall your last meal. You're trapped in the hunger zone. The solution, Batesville to go. 
Let To Go deliver a hot, fresh meal to your home or office whenever hunger strikes. To Go delivers the best food from local restaurants. Visit us online at togodelivers.com or call us at 812-727-8800. Bakesville To Go, big city convenience, small town taste. 